Welcome to Investing Insights for the Modern Investor, a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. I cover investment topics including portfolio design, cutting-edge investment strategies, risk management, personal finance, and any topic relevant to creating better long-term investing results. This podcast is a companion to the Three Summit Investment Management quarterly client letter called Summit View. For more information about Three Summit Investment Management and to subscribe to Summit View, please go to our website at www.threesummit.com. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. I am Dan Irvine, the founder and principal of Three Summit Investment Management. Thank you for listening. Okay, fair warning. I am confident that the topic we're going to cover today will blow your mind and hopefully cause you to question much of what you have learned about investing. I am being completely serious. What I'm about to show you flips the common investing wisdom upside down. The concepts that I'm going to lay out in this investing insight are at the foundation of my investing philosophy and are the driving force behind Three Summit's innovations in portfolio design and management. I hope that the investment secrets that I'm going to share with you today inspire and inform your investing process as much as they have mine. After that introduction, I am sure you're ready to jump right in, but before we do that, I just have a housekeeping item to attend to. In this podcast, I'm going to be referring to several charts throughout the discussion. Now, you won't need those charts to follow along, but they are available for you in the show notes on our website at www.threesummit.com. They're also available in the Summit View client letter, which is also available on the website. Now with that behind us, before I blow your mind as promised, quickly answer this easy question. If you had to choose one portfolio to invest in for the long run, judging just from the returns of each portfolio, which portfolio would you choose? Portfolio one, which has an average annual return of 10.7%, or portfolio two, which has an average annual return of 12.4%. Easy, right? Portfolio two had higher average annual returns, so you would obviously be better off if you invested in that portfolio. Just to make sure that this is correct, let's look at how much wealth would have been accumulated if we invested $100 in each of the two portfolios between January of 1929 through December of 2017. Now, you can get this chart. This is represented in a chart in the show notes, but I'm just going to tell you what the values are. Portfolio 1 that had the lower average annual return grew a $100 investment into 613448 And Portfolio 2 with the higher average annual return grew a $100 investment into $25,655. So what this example shows is that actually Portfolio 1 with the lower average annual return would have been the correct investment choice because it accumulated almost 24 times more wealth 
despite having lower average annual returns than Portfolio 2. Mind blown, right? I'd venture to guess most of us chose Portfolio 2 with the higher average annual return, and we would have been a lot poorer as a result. You might be thinking, I've made a mistake or have calculated the returns incorrectly. Let me assure you that these results are accurate. I'm sure the burning question that you have is how this outcome was possible. The answer is simple, but also one of the most misunderstood concepts in the investing world. Considering that most investors, even professional investors, weigh much of their investment decisions on past returns, it's important that you listen to the rest of this podcast as I explain this significant and I would say even game-changing result. I believe during the rest of this discussion that you will learn that you can dramatically improve your investing outcomes, not to mention improve the quality of sleep that you get at night. Before I explain how the results of the previous example are possible, it's important to explain the investments that the two portfolios held throughout the time period we examined. Both portfolios were invested 100% in U.S. stocks for the entire time period. The only difference between the two portfolios was the risk of the stocks that each portfolio held. Portfolio 1 was invested in all the lowest risk stocks as measured by the volatility of their prices, and Portfolio 2 was invested in the highest risk stocks. The holdings of each portfolio are extremely significant. The fact that the winning portfolio held only the lowest risk stocks is incredibly important because it seems to contradict the most commonly accepted investment wisdom that says you must be willing to take more risk in order to earn higher potential returns. Now here I go blowing your mind again. This common investing wisdom that almost all investors believe and most of the investment management industry uses as a foundation for building portfolios, it appears to be provably false or at the very least misleading. I've just introduced you to the greatest investing secret hidden in plain sight. Low risk stocks have historically produced higher long-term returns in the form of larger ending portfolio values. What I've demonstrated in the two portfolio example is called the low risk investing paradox. Webster Dictionary defines a paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, yet perhaps true. The fact that low-risk stocks produced much greater wealth than high-risk stocks appears to fit the definition of a paradox perfectly, especially if you, like most, believe the common investing wisdom. We have seen some incredible findings so far. However, just as important as the low-risk investing paradox finding is, understanding why it exists in the first place is just as important. The reason that low-risk stocks are capable of outperforming high-risk stocks over time is really simple. It comes down to investment math. It's great news that investment math explains the low-risk investing paradox and not data mining or chance. Because when I explain the math to you, and the reason for the results in the two portfolio example, you should find the answer intuitive and even perhaps obvious in hindsight. Few investing concepts are this clear and yet misunderstood. So let me create a moment of clarity for you as we look at the math 
behind this amazing investing paradox. Now recall in the two portfolio example that I showed you, portfolio one, which we now know contained low risk stocks, had an average annual return of 10.7% and an ending value of 613,448. Portfolio two, which contained high risk stocks, had an average annual return of 12.4% with an ending value of 25,655. The returns for the two portfolios were calculated using the industry standard method of presenting performance to investors. And this method is called the simple rate of return. The simple rate of return calculation has one major problem when using it to compare investments. It ignores compounding. Ignoring compounding is a really big deal because when investors buy a stock, they will earn the compounding return and not the simple return. Given this information, it seems logical that we would want to compare these two portfolios in a way that would reflect the returns we would actually realize if we invested in the portfolios. So let's calculate the compounded return on the two portfolios from the original example. In the show notes, you'll see another table that has these results, but I'll just explain them here. So portfolio one, the low risk stocks, had a simple return of 10.7, which is the return we've been looking at. The compounded return is not much different. It's 10.3%. Now let's look at portfolio two of high risk stocks. That had a simple return of 12.4%. So a higher simple return than portfolio one. But here's the kicker. The compounded return for portfolio two was just 6.4%. And there you have it. Had you invested in the low risk portfolio one, you earned an average annual compounded return of 10.3% versus 6.4% in the high-risk portfolio too. Using relatively simple math calculations, we have uncovered that the low-risk investing paradox is not really a secret at all. It is simply a misunderstanding of how investment returns work. What simple returns do not account for that compounded returns do is risk. A simple return is a basic calculation that reports the performance of a security or portfolio between two dates. A compounded return reflects the impact that simple returns have on the value of your investment portfolio. These are very different performance calculations, and only compounded returns should matter to an investor because they are a true reflection of the impact of your investment decisions on your wealth. To better understand the difference between the two return calculations, let's say that you have a portfolio of stocks that's worth $10,000 at the market open. A terrible market crash occurs over the day and your portfolio loses 50% by the market close. After the day's losses, your portfolio is now worth only $5,000. The next day, by an incredible stroke of luck, your portfolio returns a positive 50%. Most people intuitively believe that they have earned all their money back from the previous day's losses. Their portfolio went down 50% one day and up 50% the next. The portfolio is now even, right? No, actually. The portfolio value at the end of the second day is just $7,500 and not the starting value of $10,000 because of the way that compounding works. 
If you reviewed your portfolio performance for the two days in the preceding example using the simple returns method, your portfolio return would have been 0%. It's simple addition. It went down 50% one day, plus it went up 50% the next, your simple return is 0%. However, if you calculated your compounded return for the two-day period, you would be disappointed to find out your portfolio return was actually negative 25%. And then if you looked at your account value, that would confirm that result. The reason for the difference between the simple and compounded returns in this example is that on the first day, the portfolio started with a value of $10,000, then lost 50%, making it worth only $5,000 at the end of the day. The second day, when the stocks returned a positive 50%, the portfolio gained 50%, and here's the key, on a much lower second day starting value of $5,000. A 50% return on $5,000 is $2,500, making the portfolio value at the end of the day just $7,500, not the starting value of $10,000. For the portfolio to get back to even after losing 50% the first day, it would have had to generate returns of 100% the second day. The compounded return and not simple return is what you actually gain or lose on an investment and is a true reflection of the impact the return your portfolio generates has on your wealth. For many people, what I've just explained is a surprising and somewhat disappointing revelation about how investment returns work. Unfortunately, I have some additional bad news about the nuances of compounding on the performance of your portfolio. Both positive and negative returns compound, and compounding losses are detrimental to your wealth. The larger the loss, the greater the returns must be to fully recover and get back to even, thanks to compounding. The relationship between the size of the loss and the return needed to recover is exponential. There's a table in the show notes that shows the exponential relationship between the size of investment losses and the returns that are required to recover from those losses. If this is a new concept for you, I recommend that you go to the show notes and take a look at that table. But one example from the table is if a portfolio sustains a loss of 40%, the returns that are required to recover from that 40% loss are 67%, not 40%. Because the relationship between losses and the gains required to recover are not proportional, but exponential, the larger the loss, the uglier the recovery becomes. If the portfolio loss doubles from 40% to 80%, returns that the portfolio must generate to recover from an 80% loss is 400%. That is a big deal. Okay, now I am ready to tie the concepts that we've been talking about together and deliver your moment of clarity as to why the low-risk investing paradox exists. And this will answer the question of why the low-risk portfolio in the original two-portfolio example so dramatically outperformed the high-risk portfolio. What should be starting to become clear from our discussion thus far is why 
the high-risk portfolio in the example generated so much less wealth than the low-risk portfolio? It's because of risk. Simple returns ignore compounding and therefore do not account for the risk taken to earn the returns that were generated. While the returns we used in the compounding example were extreme, the effect losses have on a real-world portfolio are the same. Riskier portfolios generate larger losses that accumulate. And because of the exponential relationship between the size of losses and the returns that are required to recover from them, high-risk portfolios must spend more of their positive returns digging out of deeper performance holes that they create for themselves during declining markets. Alternatively, low-risk portfolios generate consistently smaller losses and therefore benefit more from the positive side of compounding by compounding returns on higher average portfolio values. Also, because low-risk portfolios are likely to accumulate smaller losses, they need to generate exponentially lower returns to recover from the losses that they do create. So the bottom line is this. Risk decreases the efficiency of wealth accumulation. We should all think of compounding like Mother Nature. We are best served by having a healthy respect for her power. Now that we understand the low-risk investing paradox, I want to take some time to revisit our two portfolio example and dig into some of the details. You may have noticed that the two portfolio examples showed the results of investing $100 in each of the two portfolios over a very long time period that started in 1929. Now, a logical question to ask is, does the low-risk investing paradox exist over a shorter time horizon? I mean, not all of us have 88 years left to invest in the markets. So to explore this question, we can look back at compounded returns on the two hypothetical portfolios, but look at them this time in shorter intervals over the most recent 30 years. Now, again, this section, I'm going to reference a chart, and this is a chart that I think would be helpful to take a look at and again, that's located in the show notes. But I'm going to explain the results. There are two primary observations that can be made from the chart. First, timing of when you enter the market matters. But overwhelmingly, your odds of outperforming are significant by investing in low-risk instead of high-risk stocks, even during shorter time horizons. The low-risk portfolio outperformed the high-risk portfolio over the most recent 3, 5, 10, 20, and 30-year time periods. Only the 15-year time period shows that a higher-risk approach would have won out, and by very little. The reason the high-risk portfolio outperformed slightly over the last 15 years can really be attributed to timing. The portfolio entered the market following two years of huge back-to-back -back losses. They were 33% and negative 50% respectively. So right at the bottom of a major dip. The first year that the portfolio was actually invested, the market had rocketed up from those deep losses 65%. Not only is a 65% gain in a single year uncommon, but 
the high-risk portfolio managed to capture that large move but completely avoid the two years prior that each had massive losses. So what we can conclude is that timing of entry does make a difference. However, regular contributions to an investment portfolio can smooth out the impact of timing and possibly might have eliminated the difference between the two portfolio returns altogether. Over shorter time periods, it's likely that both high-risk and low-risk portfolios will take turns being ahead of one another. However, the low-risk portfolio will maintain more steady portfolio balances along the way, and if a major recession hits, may pull ahead for the rest of your life expectancy. Low-risk portfolios have historically outperformed high-risk portfolios during recessions, and more importantly, they lagged high-risk portfolios by a smaller margin during strong bull markets. So now the second observation that can be made from the chart is that low-risk portfolios do benefit from time. The high-risk portfolio lagged further and further behind as the time periods got longer. The longer an investor holds low-risk stocks, the greater the magnitude the outperformance is likely to be. Low-risk portfolios are the consistent turtle in the race, and high-risk portfolios are the hare that moves quickly, then stops to take a rest, and sometimes just returns to the starting line before starting the race again. So far, the example in this discussion that I've been using, the two-portfolio example, concentrates on a portfolio that invests 100% in stocks. I realize that most people do not invest 100% in stocks, but instead in diversified portfolios that include many different asset types like stocks, bonds, real estate, and others. Stocks are usually among the riskiest assets and the largest percentage of holdings in most diversified portfolios. More than 90% of the total risk of an industry standard 60-40 portfolio comes just from stock exposure. Because of the outsized impact in terms of risk and return that stocks have on diversified portfolios, that is why I have chosen to focus on stock portfolios in the examples that we've covered so far. But extensive research into most of the other asset classes in both the U.S. and internationally also reveal the presence of the low-risk investing paradox. Now, this shouldn't be surprising because the low-risk investing paradox, as I've explained, is a function of mathematics. It's not a unique market anomaly. So therefore, the same principles of reducing the size of losses that works in stock portfolios, they're also highly effective in lowering the risk and raising potential return of diversified portfolios. Historically, it's been possible to design diversified portfolios using low-risk concepts that have as little as half to two-thirds the risk of an industry standard 60-40 portfolio. And you can do that without sacrificing the long-term compounded returns. A well-designed, low-risk, diversified portfolio has many benefits beyond reducing the risk of investing to a point that you never have to lose sleep at night. For example, Low-risk diversified portfolios have a high probability of outperforming conventional 60-40 portfolios. And second, a 
single, well-structured, low-risk, diversified portfolio is appropriate for an investor of any age, regardless of income or stage in life. So that sounds pretty good, right? In this discussion, I have presented two investment approaches. The first is investing with the common investing wisdom and maximizing the risk you are willing to take in order to increase your potential returns. And the second approach is the low risk investing approach of minimizing risk to more consistently accumulate wealth. To be successful using either approach requires patience and a willingness to stay the course over a long period of time, a decade or more. The only mistake worse than not deciding on an investment approach is changing your mind and switching your approach many times over your investing time horizon. It is my belief that a risk-minimizing as opposed to a risk-maximizing approach to investing has the highest probability of maximizing wealth accumulation over time. Low-risk portfolios are attractive because they minimize portfolio risk, which is within the investor's control, but also minimize the potential impact of risks outside an investor's control. Investors do not control if they will get sick and be forced to retire early, have unexpected future financial hardships, or, of course, they don't have any control over the timing of recessions. The low-risk style limits losses and generates more consistent returns over time, leading to more consistent portfolio values. When the value of your portfolio is steadier over time, you leave less to chance and are impacted less by events outside your control. So let's wrap this discussion up. Making the best possible investment decisions starts by avoiding the common mistakes most investors make. Here are the three common mistakes that the research we have discussed has uncovered. First, investors usually pick investments based on their past simple returns without much consideration of the effects of compounding, which results in excessive risk-taking and inefficient wealth accumulation. Second, investors ignore or do not have a solid understanding of how the math of investment returns work. Ignoring the powers of compounding losses is potentially hazardous to your wealth. And then finally, most investors believe and invest following the common investing wisdom that says you must take more risk to have the opportunity to earn higher returns. We have demonstrated that the common investing wisdom may not stand up to the mathematics behind efficient wealth accumulation. The low-risk investing paradox shows us that investing is complex and an advantage can be gained by understanding the mechanics of wealth accumulation. We do not benefit from maximizing our portfolio's simple return. We benefit from maximizing our wealth. As you go out and make important investing decisions, Remember this quote from Mark Manson. It fits what we've talked about perfectly. And the quote says, Some of the most important truths in life are contradictory on the surface. They seem like impossibilities, yet experience proves them to be obvious over and over again. It isn't until you look a bit deeper beneath the surface contradictions that the real grains of wisdom emerge. Thank you for joining me for this quarter's podcast. I love talking to people about any investing topic, so please don't hesitate to contact me. I love hearing from people who listen to this quarterly podcast. The two portfolio example I covered in this discussion 
use data going back almost 90 years. I've been studying the low-risk investing paradox for over 10 years and have put together many smaller research datasets on the topic. However, I recently discovered a dataset that was put together by Pim Van Vliet, a researcher and a portfolio manager at Robeco. It is extraordinarily generous of Pim to make what I think might be the most comprehensive dataset on the low-risk paradox available on, the, on his website for others to use. Compiling and collecting this comprehensive of a dataset is both time-consuming and very expensive. If you want to learn more about the low-risk investing paradox, Pim might be the most active current researcher in the area. I recommend looking into his many white papers that he has posted on the internet. And with that, I look forward to talking to you all next quarter.